you guys. It's Andy's Girls. It's episode 57. Happy whatever day of the week it is. I have absolutely no idea. I think it's Thursday. Happy Thursday. Um, so excited to kiki with you guys. Um, today we have such an amazing show. I cannot even tell you that this week I had the glorious, magical Heather Thompson from Real Housewives of New York on my couch, which we turned into the people's couch, um, for an epic hour long conversation that you're going to hear in just a few moments. Um, a little bit of housekeeping for you. Um, thanks to all of our Andy Scrolls listeners who participated in the, um, winning catchphrase contest for what is your, um, personal housewives tagline. So stay tuned for the end of the episode after this magical interview with Heather to find out who won. Um, I have to say, we'll do a full recap of all of the apps with an amazing, amazing special guest next week, uh, special guest co-host next week. But um, shout out to the listener who reached out to me about some like super shady tweets that Marlo Hampton has been sending, including one that she sent this week, totally directed toward Kenya that says, and I'm the one pressed for a rich white man. I date who I'm attracted to. White, black, brown, doesn't matter. I dated one white billionaire for five years. AKA, how is it not Ted Turner? Who else is it? I was in a full-blown relationship, and that makes me a prostitute, you see here, who is really chasing after white men. Which, like, what? Why is that part of the discussion? And then she takes screenshots with someone else's phone of her phone, which has a giant crack in it. How? She has billionaire money, and someone's paid for her house, and every other member of her family's houses and she doesn't she doesn't have like apple care i mean like i care about marlo's phone getting fixed so maybe we should figure that out um so she takes all these she took all these like screenshots with another phone of her physical phone again none of this makes sense um uh of like conversations with kenya about I guess like dating or something and like Kenya being interested in a guy you know and like the text is like damn girl he is rich okay I'll get his info I mean listen how many people are like what's he do for a living whatever it's obviously not about money but I don't think this is the worst thing but the best part of this is that one of the screenshots is a photo of um Kenya with Harry Dubin and I just don't know what this means were they at Bravo was it some sort of like RHONY deal Marlo's obviously implying that like Harry Dubin is someone that Kenya dated I don't believe that for a single second but I'm so into it I really cannot even tell you I just thought it was like magical and hilarious also this week's New York Housewives um was so good and it really is the reward for surviving Beverly Hills, I have to say. Like it's, New York is just everything. The women are so dynamic. They're all like totally contrasting personalities. There's some real shit going down a la Jill and Bethany season three, but like totally less staged than that because Jill and Bethany season three was like a little bit of like Jill wanting to like embarrass Bethany on camera. And what's happening now is this genuine tension and watching that unfold over the course of the season, I think is going to be completely crazy. Um, so a couple of points, chicken and egg, what came first? Did Carol turn down staying with Bethany at her house or did Bethany say the house was full? Because one of them is 100% lying. Either Bethany said to Carol, listen, I have my kid. It's just too much, which is very different from the house is full. It just means I have my child. And P.S., 
Bryn has met Carol before, so I totally don't understand that. Or was Carol like, I'm good. Like, I, I'm going to stay with Tins, like, at the whatever, Sag Harbor, East Hampton, Southampton, Bridgehampton, Topping Rose House, whatever the hell, um, Hotel Tonight deal. Like, that was kind of strange to me. I was like, battle alert, like, little ears are raised, getting a little tingle, something's going on. Um, the only person to say the Jitney is a high-class way to travel is the webmaster for thejitney.com. Um, Sonia's 100% taken the Jitney before. It, I mean, they give you a newspaper, you get a bag of chips, I think you get milk maybe or something or like bottled water, but that's pretty much the end of it. Like you can read the Hampton star or whatever their paper is. I don't think of it as high class travel. I mean, if you were gonna, really going to be your absolute bougiest, you copped her to the Hamptons with like Matt Lauer, rest in peace at all. I don't really think that Hamptons Jitney is going to be five star service. I've, I've taken the Jitney before. It's lovely. It's fine. It's also a bus. I mean, you could also take the train if you wanted. You know, she's giving us a lot of, you know, it's not, I'm not a last name. I'm a legacy, but like genuinely I'm a last name, Lady Morgan moments. Um, I do not believe that Tinsley and Coupon Cabin ever broke up. I think that they were on a break for production. I do not. Maybe they were on a two-second break, and then they got back together, and Tins was like, let's stretch this out. So I have a storyline. I do not believe this is a real thing. We saw in the teaser that he, quote-unquote, surprises her in New York. I saw every episode of High Society. None of this is real. But um, kudos to her for trying. I, I appreciate it. Um, I do, though, love that, speaking of Tinsley and Sonia, they do have something very important in common, which is they both pretend they're independent women. Sonia pretends that she's, like, in it to win it, you know, didn't lose her entire lifestyle when the divorce happened, pretended that she left um, uh, Mr. Morgan. I don't even know what it is. John Morgan? John Morgan, like, the 10th or whatever. Um, Tinsley pretends that it's not even pretending. She's saying that she doesn't get her money from her ex-husband. She got it. Or from Coupon Cabin. She got it from her parents, which is like six of one, half dozen of the other. Either way, it didn't come from you. But yeah, like let's pretend that you guys are like singing your best Beyonce, um, Destiny's Child, when really it seems like you've been manifesting your destiny as being financially supported by someone other than yourself. But kudos, that makes a great housewife, got to tell you. Um, so mazel to you both. And um, just finally, Sonia saying her divorce was similar to Richard dying is um, one of the worst things she said. And, you know, this is a woman who talked about an intern who was like homeless from Ireland or whatever, who was helping her with her SEO several seasons ago. It wasn't great, is all I'm going to say. And Dorinda's fire, that's going to simmer for the rest of the season. You can't get over that. Someone saying like my marriage of 10 years or whatever is similar to your husband losing his life dying in front of you not great and you're talking about how often Dorinda brings it up not terrific she's gonna the reason that she is gonna be her own island is because she's making so many dumb mistakes so early and god bless because it's phenomenal tv but it's just not terrific um but speaking of terrific guys I cannot tell you what a joy it was to talk to Heather Thompson. We talked about yummy. She's going on this like 
crazy, amazing trip to Nepal. She's now this like legit, like climbing mountains all over the world. P.S. Who is surprised? Absolutely no one, including Kristen Takeman. Like the woman knows how to be an adventurous and I love her for it. We talked about everything Real Housewives. We talked about how she came on the show. We talked about, um, I have some news for you after about whether or not she would return at the end of the episode. We talked about the relationship and disillusion of the friendship between Bethany and Carol and that's a whole fucking ton. Um, I, I really honestly like was so here for it. She's so transparent. Um, she says she's authentic. I say she's authentic. You say she's authentic. This woman is like fucking authentic trademark authenticity. Um, TM because it was, she was just exactly the way you'd want her to be. And some of these wives, you know, they put on like a little bit of a sheen for you and you know, you're in on the joke, blah, blah, blah. But Heather really was, and is a real person who was on this reality show Um, and she did such a great job of it. I mean, I miss her and I know I'm not the only one. I think that she added a very specific kind of energy. Maybe that hadn't existed on any other franchise. I have to say, I think Teddy's aiming for it. She's not entirely successful. Um, God bless. But I think, I mean, I think that it could be cool. I mean, like, let's talk about it guys. Like let's tweet about it. I really think that Heather is, um, a very specific, precious, uh, gem, Um, Do they have gems in Nepal? Maybe they do. Um, But listen to the episode. Tell me your thoughts. At the end of the episode, we're going to announce the winner of a Sassy Andy's Girls t-shirt. And it's going to be special and magical. Um, So, guys, let me know your thoughts. Enjoy this magical moment um, with Heather Thompson recorded on my couch, my Upper East Side, uh, Pied-a-Terre. All right. Enjoy, guys. With over 25 years of fashion experience under her belt, including work with P. Diddy, J.Lo, Beyonce, Heather Thompson knows a thing or two about working with big personalities, which should totally prepare her for this afternoon. Uh, And she became one herself after adding Bravo Lebrity to an already illustrious resume. The founder of Yummy by Heather Thompson, philanthropist, mountaineer, and cast member of Real Housewives of New York, it is a total pleasure to transition my Upper East Side living room into the people's couch this afternoon for a total fan favorite. Holla, Heather Thompson. Holla. Oh, my God. (laughs) At the, at the delight and the, and the cringe, the equal cringe of folks. Can I just, holla. no, please, can I ask, how many people come up to you on the street and say holla? How so annoying many. and grating is that? It's wonderful. I, you know, is it, it wonderful? Yeah, it is. Are I you so it. much more graceful than I will ever be? Well, you know, it's so funny because it became such a big deal. And I remember when we were, you know, filming the, the openings of the show and, you know, it's just me. I'm, I'm like, I'm always shouting people out. And, you I know, love I'm it. Like, I, love, I love like a whoop, whoop. You oh, know? my God. And so it was just a holla. And, you know, it was like, I guess I brought holla back. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and who knew? And then it really started to happen. And it was so obvious when people started to use it because it's kind of old school. It's you know, super from around the school. way. Exactly. But you were bringing that vibe and energy to audiences week after week. And we loved it because it was just really natural. Yeah. I mean, it just was exclusively you and specific in a way that people just latched onto. Yeah. Which yeah. is why over the course of three seasons, I mean, if you ask anyone today who should come back, you're 100% at the top of the list. Oh, that's awesome. I, I love that. I mean, I had such a... Um 
a great time on the show. I really, really, did you? I really did. I mean, of course, when you look back at anything, whether it's a relationship or a job, sometimes you only remember the good stuff. Yeah, totally. Uh, but I don't only remember the good stuff. I remember the bad stuff too. I do. Uh, but it was all like unbelievable learning for me. It was yeah. growth. It was learning. It was opportunity. It was new ideas. It was different type of people, not necessarily my tribe, quote unquote. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and I love that. I love new experiences. I love, I really like people. I do. I mean, you meet people that say, I don't really like people all that much. I prefer to be alone and stuff like that. I can enjoy my alone time and I can enjoy my time with myself, but I really do enjoy engaging with people and people that are different than me. Totally. You know, and it's so interesting to me. And on the show, I really, really I really, everything that I do is organic, first of all, like the yeah. holler, like you said, like yeah, uh, the yeah, holler, yeah. like that, I don't, I'm authentic, mm -hmm. and I'm authentic to who I am as a person, Love it. and I'm authentic to any cause, and the cause that I was kind of fronted with, with the housewives, is that they, they wanted to change the dynamic, they wanted to raise the bar, you know, right. when they had cast the New York City housewives, unlike Orange County, they cast it um, about a show called Manhattan Moms. Right, so right, that's right. that's like a little history on the show. And, you know, that's when Jill Zarin was really one of the lead, you know. She was the recruiter. Like the recruiter. Yeah, and like she was the an honorary EP. player. And, right. But it was called Manhattan Moms. And Luann was a mom. And Jill was a mom. And then with the success of Orange County, they were like, let's make this a franchise. And plus Jill wanted Bethany, who wasn't a mom. Right. So it was like, well, this who wasn't a mom works. wasn't married. Exactly. So the Manhattan Moms, which was like Ramona and Luann and Jill, then became the Real Houses of New York with the addition of Bethany and right. then the move over to the franchise. So they didn't really cast it necessarily, you know, for a socialite type Manhattan right. movers and shakers type of show. And after, I guess, a few seasons, they decided that um, it was time to bring some of that dynamic in. Yeah. And so that was, that was my, that was, those were my years, you know, and Aviva and, and of course, Razzie and I uh, came onto the scene. So did you feel pressure knowing that they were cutting OGs and having you fill that space? You know, Jill's gone, Kelly's gone, Alex is like yeah. out of there, yeah. back to Midtown East hotel life. Like what, what did you, did you feel any stress about coming into a place when you know that these women have their own fan bases you know that there's going to be a reaction and a response and people viewers might tune in not necessarily to enjoy it number one but really to react yeah. to such a drastic shift in casting naivete is such a wonderful oh thing. yeah <laughs> were you just you like they're gonna it, love it it's gonna be great it's yeah, gonna be I fabulous what i didn't really know was how unbelievably dedicated and loyal the fans are to this not this just the show, but the season after season after season, right? And, you know the continuation of the story, the soap opera, you know storytelling, if you will, on the housewives, and they know the history and they know the people. I didn't expect that going in. I didn't expect I didn't expect Ramona to not accept me. Like I didn't expect that she was going to come after me, not because I was Heather Thompson, this woman who was an entrepreneur, just yeah. because I was a new housewife. Mm -hmm. And you were competition and for her. Competition you were competition for, for airtime. You were competition for yes. potential business opportunities. Yeah. You I came in with a successful brand. Yeah. She's schlocking, you know, turtle time till the, you know, for as long as the day is yeah. long. I mean, it's yeah. just, it was a different kind of experience. And she, you know, the thing with Ramona and Bethany is 
Ramona has seen Bethany's business explode, but she also knew her before. Mm -hmm. So Ramona didn't know you before. You right. came in as a complete like lady baller, and right. her response is like, "Well, what the fuck right. is going to happen to me?" Until I won her over in the end. <laughs> you totally did. <laughs> so here's a question for you. I mean, I want to hear about what is happening in your life now. So you just walked three flights up my third floor walk up, which yeah. is great um, preparation for Nepal, oh, yeah. I have to say. So you're just ready to go on a mountain tomorrow. I, I mean, tell us what's happening literally in your life right now. I like need you a, are another hundred flights. You, right? <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll get another pied a three yeah, flights up. Yeah, we just need to Phenom. keep heading to the penthouse. Amen, yeah. God bless. <laughs> so what is, how did you become this, you've always been an adventurous yeah. spirit. I mean, we saw that when you were like jumping off cliffs with Kristen Takeman. Yeah. I mean, you've always always been extremely competitive, extremely driven, which is shown in your success as a business person, but also athletics. I mean, you're cameoing in last week's episode because you're just fucking running a marathon on a day <laughs> off. I mean, that is something that drive and kind of pressure that you put on yourself to succeed is fantastic to see. So how did Nepal happen? Yeah. Um, so thank you. First of all, you of know, I, they're just goals. They're like, you know, yeah, I want to yeah. set a goal and I want to reach a goal. And when you're busy with in life with, with job and family and children and commitments and friends and, you know, I mean, just the clock just ticks and ticks. Like sure. time literally flies. So I like to set goals because if not, like the whole summer will have gone by and I wouldn't have accomplished what I want to accomplish because yeah. Time is, is so fleeting. So they're goals for me. And, and Nepal uh, came to be because of my charity, No Barriers. So so tell me a little bit about No Barriers. Yeah, so No Barriers is, is quite an exceptional organization. Um, I've been an ambassador for over five years for them. Wow. Um, no Barriers is about living a meaningful and purposeful life. And everybody in this world has the right to that. Got it. And but we're all faced with challenges, mm -hmm. and you know some challenges are harder than others. Some have it harder than others, but ultimately we're all faced with challenges. And it's not per se the challenge; it's how we overcome the challenge and mm -hmm. move beyond the challenge and grow. So whether that is you know a handicap that you you know we're all sure. one accident away from handicap. Yes. You know whether it is you know some type of handicap or health challenge where you've lost a limb or you've lost your vision or you've lost your hearing or you were born that way sure. or it's coming out of a really terrible divorce or mm -hmm. breakup and you just can't quite pull your bootstraps up and you need a rope team you need a, a team of people always there to help guide you to help support you to lead you when you need to be led to push you when you need to be pushed and then just to stand by you when you just need to know that at an arm's length if you need it somebody's there so the mountains, um, no barriers, we use the mountains as metaphors. And, you know, when you're up on a high peak, like I'll mm -hmm. be in Nepal, you're roped in. So if one person falls, the whole rope falls. Oh, my God. Yes, That's exactly. so scary. And if one, if one person summits, then the whole rope summits, Yay, right? So mazel. that's the wonderful thing about the team. <laughs> exactly. So um, I started climbing real mountains, really, with no barriers. Yes, I was always an outdoor enthusiast, an athlete, and, you know, an avid skier and right. runner and mountain biker and dirt biker. I love motorcycles. And uh, I was a rock climber, you know, and, and in my 20s and just really loved doing that. And... But getting into altitude, uh, the only time I ever did that was skiing, you know, and I really mm. feel, 
I'm a very spiritual person. I wouldn't say I necessarily like love any organized religion, although yeah. I hang my hat, uh, you know, at home on the Jewish peg. Sure, shalom. Um, that's how we raise our family, exactly. And and I love living a Jewish life, but in terms of spirituality, I feel the most connected spiritually to everything, every molecule being in my own body and the world when I'm at altitude, when I'm up high in oh the mountains. God. And I know it sounds. Yeah, well, of course, you're that much closer to God or whatever, but it's different than that. It's something, it's like, it, it is truly my my church, my temple, my synagogue, being in the mountains. And I feel that when I'm skiing at altitude, mm-hmm. skiing off piste, being out, you know, in the just the rugged land and just me and my skis and my body carrying me. These types of things really feed and fuel me. And so... With no barriers, I was able to, while I'm helping others, I'm able to get this amazing feeling out of it for myself, you know, kind of giving to, get, you know, give back. And, and you know, you gain so much out of it. So I started with Kilimanjaro. We climbed, I climbed Kilimanjaro to, yeah, in 2014. Uh, Killy climbed, uh, 2016, excuse me, Killy climbed 2016. And it was a women's empowerment climb. Uh, 19 wow. women went to Kilimanjaro. With Did you know them? I didn't. I knew some of them. Okay. I went on on social media and I was like, oh I, my I graduated, God. Yeah, I graduated from nutrition school. That's how this one started. I went back to school. You guys didn't see it. My final season on the Housewives, I was back in uh, in school getting my nutrition degree. Oh, wow. Which is, you know, another, well, that's another one of the reasons why I just was checking the boxes. Right. Should I stay or should I go? Right. And one of the reasons why I left is because the show really wasn't covered my true day-to-day life yeah and um and I felt that that was uh, inauthentic to myself and I needed Mm. to be authentic um but anyway so the mountain climb came because I had some time on my hands I had stepped down from yummy Mm. I was no longer filming the housewives and um it was time for me to kind of move on and have some time for growth yeah and, and giving back was the way to do it so I graduated from nutrition school a little pissed off about the propaganda out there watching people really struggle with you know, wanting to lose weight, wanting to be healthier, and and given all of these uh, mi- all this misinformation, so right. that the tools that they had weren't really even the right tools in their tool bag, and so I wanted to kind of go. It was the, the metaphor was I want to scream from a mountaintop about this, and so it started as uh, a women's empowerment climb about it not being you know happiness is not a number on a scale, it's not mm. the size of your waist, totally. you know, and there's a much bigger picture to it. But then it turned into more than that. It was such a sisterhood. I watched, and after coming from the housewives, I mean, this climb was literally the anti-housewives. Yes. It was the type of women that I'm used to being around and used to seeing, and that's women who support one another. Mm-hmm. Not tear each other down, but in turn lift each other up. And that's what Killy Climb 2016 was all about. And it was so successful. And literally, uh, it changed my life, but it absolutely changed the lives of the women on the track. And I, I still talked, one of them was a very, is a very successful businesswoman. Her name is Heather Stone. She's incredible. And she says to me a couple weeks ago, like, do you realize what you did with this climb? Like oh how you changed God. my life. So someone who already has it together and you, you think, well, yeah. what does she need? Well, she, we all need something. Yeah, and sure. Heather was able to, you know, we call her stoner, which is so funny because she <laughs> doesn't even come close <laughs> to smoking pot. But anyway, um, that was stoner. And then we had this other woman on the, on the climb, honey badger, love the badge, she was a badass litigator in Seattle, oh um, living in a very um, kind of, I think, verbally abusive maybe relationship, not, you know, uh, unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, and went to Kilimanjaro, summited Kilimanjaro, 
went back to the States, left her unhappy marriage, moved to Tanzania, Africa. What the fuck? Got married. Okay. Okay, it's one of the porters on my climb. Started an adventure company called, because I called our climb on Kilimanjaro (laughs) Dirty Freedom. Okay. Started an adventure company called Dirty Freedom Adventures. I mean, that is unbelievable. You've literally changed her life. Flipped it on the head. No big deal. You can get that on Groupon, guys, can't you? Isn't that a guilt group trip? So next try. So this was the next trip. And what happened in Kilimanjaro was, um, you know, I had been to South Africa before, but I hadn't been to, you know, that region. Like, you know, I'd been to Cape Town and Joburg. And the the poverty that was in Mm -hmm. Tanzania and Arusha really um, stuck with me. And I just said, you guys, the next climb, we can never go and take from a country without giving back. So, I mean, I, we all left with just basically the shirts on our backs. We gave all our expedition gear away. I mean, the porters on the climb are like in office shoes that they Jesus got somewhere. Christ. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I'm like the best hiking boots you could buy. So I, you know, we gave it all away. And so this time we're heading to Nepal. I leave on Saturday. It's oh really coming God. up. And we adopted an orphanage. Wow. Yeah, it's the Center for Disabled Children in Nepal, and we are we adopted the orphanage. This is three teams. It's an Alpha, a Bravo, and a Charlie team. Love We're going it. off of the old military. Phenomenal. Um, and the Alpha team is summoning to, uh, Mara Peak, which is um, just under 23,000 feet at altitude. The Bravo team is trekking through that Everest region. That's where mm-hmm. I'm climbing. It's in the region of Mount Everest and Lhotse and all those mountains. That will be my view as I trek. Wow. Um, and climb. They are doing about 16,000 foot uh, ascent and they're hitting communities along the way with water filters oh and God. Ugg Boots is a sponsor. We just <gasps> A bunch of Ugg Boots just arrived in Nepal. Amazing. Thank you, Ugg. We love you. Shout out to Ugg. I was wearing yeah, you earlier. Yeah, they're amazing company and, and just always been supportive of my climbs and so like so we're going to adopt this orphanage, and we've got eight wheelchairs coming. These kids are on, like, makeshift skateboards, kids with, you know, amputations or, you know, birth defects. There's a couple with cerebral palsy who are in makeshift Jesus. strollers. So I worked with um, Eric Donahoe, who's one of the climbers and a, a, a veteran of war for this fine country of ours, um, in service to the orphanage. He um, got together with uh, Rock Wheels, which is a wheelchair um a service company and we have eight wheelchairs going to Nepal. We did it through oh a crowd rise God. and some yeah, private fundraising and that's just been incredible. I have a teacher who is again of a, a half of a, an amazing other veteran uh, of war, Denny, who's on our climb. His girlfriend is a teacher. She's part of the Charlie team who's staying at the orphanage the entire oh, wow. 20 days. She'll be there for amazing. 20 days. Uh, we have four computers that were donated by um, LaFleur Skincare, which oh. is a skincare brand that I launched with these amazing individuals and they've donated commu- computers to the orphanage so we're going to teach them on the computers i mean there's so much good stuff going on here um and is that your current full-time focus or have you stepped away from yummy full-time yes i stepped away okay. from yummy full-time and um these climbs nutrition getting that up and running was a really big uh step for me because yummy when i launched yummy it was about making women look and feel their best. Amen. And, you know, and I, and I was able to accomplish that with my patented ideas and products. Mm -hmm. And when I found that I needed, I was stunted, you know what I mean? in where I wanted to go with yummy because I had a partner in the business and, uh, he and I just don't see eye to eye. Um, I decided that it was time I had done that and it was time for me to, to move on. If I could have kept yummy and stayed with yummy, I would have done it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes you do have to close a door 
um, to open another one. And so I did that, and I still I, I'm very proud of what I built at Yummy. I will always be the founder of the brand. Sure, of course. Um, and I'm really proud of making women look and feel their best, continuing to do that. But now I also want to educate them on nutrition and food and how to keep themselves healthy and at the best that we can be. Do you think you'll start any kind of like product line yeah. associated with nutrition? Yeah. Is that what's next That's down the next. pike? Yeah. So launching uh, at the end of the month um, of this May, month at the end of May. Holy yeah. shit. I've got to go to Nepal first. Okay, yeah, of course. Just yeah. a little stopover, yeah. just a little cameo. I get back in the beginning of May, I'm launching a superfood brand called Nutritionary. What? Yeah, really exciting Holy about that. Yeah. And what is that going to consist of? It'll be uh, meal replacement powders, oh you know, God. protein powders, super greens, super berries. We've got a kombucha tea coming <gasps> out. We've got a lot of really good stuff, you know, ketone coffees, those types of things. And they are supplements because they're not supposed to become your diet. Right. It's like, not a meal replacement. Yeah. I mean, it, it is for one meal, potentially. Okay, you know, it. if you want to lower your caloric intake and you want something that's fulfilling and delicious and refreshing. And, you know, wellness is a buzzword right now. And I think that that's great because even when I started Yummy and everybody started saying, oh, you could have, you know, good looking shapewear, shapewear that's meant to be seen. Like, although I was the first one on the market to say, you don't have to hide it. It's not a dirty little secret. Right. When everybody jumped on the bandwagon, I thought, hooray for the world, because now women can look differently at shapewear. So much, if, so who cares if I came out with the message? The fact that everybody's singing the tune, right, is that's great. happiness. That's pure happy. That's change. That's really wow. affecting change. And so that's what I'm doing now with the nutrition brand. There's a lot of superfoods and powders and things like that out there. Mine are totally organic. They're non-GMO. They're sustainable. Are they gluten-free? Are we doing this whole? They're gluten-free. They're vegan. Oh, my God. So that if you want to add, you know, any animal proteins to your diet, you have the right to do that. You know what I mean? I just kind of keep it very clean so that you can add to your meal and your lifestyle what works for you. I'm so into it. And I was one of those people who was like, extra gluten. Like, let's (laughs) do it, you guys. Let's do the reverse Atkins. And then as the listeners know, I've been dealing with some medical stuff over the past year. So doctors were like no gluten. I've been a vegetarian for 100 years but they said no gluten no dairy no soy no refined sugar no coffee no alcohol and it's like you think you're going to kill yourself at day one and day day seven you're like okay well maybe this wasn't the worst idea I mean it just really you feel good it's all about how you feel that's called an elimination diet right so what you want I call it crowding out the bad with the good right if you if you limit your self from having a cheeseburger or the things that you crave, you're never going to succeed. Sure. So success is bred by results, right? If you keep doing something and it looks good and it feels good, well, then you're going to keep doing it. If it doesn't look good and it doesn't feel good, you're never going to be able to maintain it. And it's a pretty simple, it's a pretty simple standard, Yeah. but we get so caught up in the propaganda and the marketing and the bullshit that's out there. And the marketing seems to, even though wellness is now like the new phrase, that people love there is still that like diet right diet with a capital d where it's like look for the thing that's low in calories that's maybe high in chemicals and that's not going to change anybody's life it's just going to make it worse exactly well i would watch women saying i'm really you know struggling with my weight but i'm eating really healthy i'm eating fresh greens every day with like just grilled chicken breast on top of it and 
I'm watching and this woman's gaining weight and it's like because her chicken is pumped with hormones right. and antibiotics and there's you know pesticides all over the greens and so she her chemically her body is like whoa in a state of like shock and and you know fight or flight right. and there's no way that that's that and she, so she doesn't know she's right. trying and she's failing because she's not armed properly with the right tools so I have to say, you know, talking about arming yourself with the right tools. So you are obviously a hyper successful entrepreneur. You have the ability to create something that doesn't exist in the marketplace and then it explodes. And that just doesn't happen overnight. That happens with years and years of expertise and working in a variety of different markets. So how did you apply the skills that you've had in business to a very specific kind of reality show how did it come about how did they approach you and how did you how did you get to a place of yes you know it was one of those things that I believe that there's always reward in, in, in risk sure no matter if you fail or succeed and what is the definition of that of course so when I got a cold call at my desk one day and I was confused when I got my my marketing director at the time this wonderful woman named Christy Watson she's like there's like Bravo on the phone for you like want to talk to you about like, the housewives and I well, it's so funny I was like okay you know put them through I was in my head thinking the apprentice like literally that's oh what I was yeah thinking. Martha then at that it point was, it was the dawn okay at got that it time. and what's um, he up to these days I haven't heard about anything <laughs> no oh, the struggle so curious what right? he's up to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're not on Twitter, that is. <laughs> so anyway, um, they called me and I was thinking that they wanted to put yummy as a product oh, placement. Oh, yeah, like yeah, they yeah. To do a yummy, a challenge, sure. You know? So I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And then, so I just, because it was a busy day and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you're living your life. Yeah, I was living, I was busy and I was living my life. So I, I was like, well, and then the, the casting director was like, no, 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 no. Like, I mean, the product's great. Like, we love that part of you. But we want you. But we want you. And I was like, oh, you want me? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, like, you want me to be a real housewife of New York? And they were like, and I go, oh, hell no. That was oh, like, you did. I you were immediately like, like, no. Because I, did, I had only seen the show a few times. I hadn't seen it that much. I had really not watched New York funny enough. I had watched Beverly Hills. Oh. Because Beverly Hills came on when I was home with my newborn baby. Oh my god! So I'm home watching television because I had a newborn baby, and I hadn't. It was just not time I had spent on yeah. Housewives before. So I had watched the show a little bit, and I had watched one or two New York shows, but not. I wasn't like ingrained. Okay. But I, I immediately I was like, oh my god, no! I don't. You know, I don't fit in. But it's so funny because when you put something out there into the universe, I really truly believe that it will come to you. You may miss it. You may opportunity may knock, and you may miss it. But I do remember watching the show, going, "God, I could, I could be on that show." Like I remember saying that. I really that's do. So and it's so funny, and that's I've never even told anybody this in an interview. You know, pure honesty and transparency. I remember saying that because I had launched a new business. I was a marketing expert. Sure. I understood marketing. I understood the power of television and storytelling. And so as a marketer, I was like, I should be on that show because Yummy was new and it was such a great concept. Right. And you're young and you're living in New York and you have a young yep. family. Yep. And I watched some of the cattiness of the women. I'm like, oh, God, I got to get in there and help those girls yes. out. You know what I mean? Not really realizing the entertainment value of the caddy and, and right. what we really are meant to do on the houses. I didn't really get 
it until season three. I'll be that when I until left. your third season, yeah, that's when which I was really like season seven, I want to say. Okay. Yeah, I call it third season. And I and the reason I say that I remember Ramona and Sonia. We were at in Montana. Remember when I threw the hatchet right? Hundred percent. Of course I do. That's the best. My friend Trish and I are like, let's go hatchet throwing. <laughs> and we and we were taking pictures afterwards. And Sonia came and said to me that Ramona was you know cracking behind my back like, don't take a pic, don't promote Heather, don't promote her. And so they take a picture with me in their mind that was them promoting me. And I still at that point didn't get it. Like until that very moment, I'm like, you catty dumb bitches. They you know really I mean? kind that, of were. Yeah, they, and they are, by yeah. the way. And they continue to be on the show. You know, I don't have that relationship with Ramona off the show. Right. You know what I mean? Do you have a relationship with Ramona off I the show? I do. I do. I do. We stay in touch. We have a, it's almost like sorority sisters or like camp friends or something. Right. Like we, we have an adoration for one another. Yeah. We have a history together and we care about one another. We don't hang out and party and have drinks and talk on the phone every week. Right. That's Razzy. Carolyn. I enjoy that friendship. How did that come about? Did you just meet Carol and you're like, this is my sister? We met and we were, we were, we were tribal, man. We, you know, we, we hit it off. We had, we both were signed onto the show. We had never met before, but we had some mutual friends in common. Oh, great. And the mutual friends were like, shut up. You're on it. Oh my God, Carol's on it. Like, and I'm like, who? And they're like, you don't know, how do you not know Carol? You know, Carol. I'm like, no, I don't. And they did the same thing to her. Like, Heather, you don't. And so they were like, you have to have lunch. And so we met and we had lunch before the season started. Oh, my God. Great. And Smart. we just hit it off. And we were like, oh, my God. And then then when the season started and it was like, you know, the acclamation of Aviva. And, you know, we got along as friends, but we had to learn about each other still on the show. You and Carol. And Carol, yeah. So what happened really between us happened naturally in the viewers' eyeballs, you know. So you talk a little bit about, you know, Ramona and um, Sonia not trying to promote you, yeah, right? Because yeah. they're trying to be center spotlight. Yeah. What was it like working with Aviva, who always seemed focused in the worst possible yeah. way on how she was going to look on camera? And then by her last season, she was just so desperate for a moment because she thought a moment would save her. Like the Le Cirque leg yeah. was just her final desperate cry for like, I would like to keep doing this, please, please help yeah. me. I'm funny, I'm funny, there's I a know. leg here. And it just never worked because it felt inorganic. Was yeah. it, did it feel inorganic when you were shooting with her when she's doing this whole like ghostwriter bullshit and you know, everything well, else? Yeah, you saw my reaction to that. It was yeah, you called her out. Of course. Genuine. I was so upset upset with her that season you know in hindsight when I reflect on Aviva you know the thing that Aviva had well over me well over me she did understand the value of entertainment and television she had researched the show she had watched it she had vied for a spot on the show she believed that she would make a great housewife Mm -hmm. and when she and 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 I by the way believe that she kind of did and still and would have yeah but I think I think, unfortunately, and Aviva may even admit this, I, I, you know, I don't know in reflection on her own self, she got in her own way. She totally did, 100%. She got in her own way. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, whole, the, the whole thing with the Carol as a writer, for me as a businesswoman and a CEO and a career woman, that just like your children, those marks were off the off right. the grid. Like you don't go after someone's livelihood and you don't go after their young children who have you know are still like underage, sure, can't make of course. learning life and 
those are targets that are just not cool. It felt like she was doing it to publicize her book, which made, to me, absolutely no sense. Because why would I want to read it if the only reason I'm reading it is because of something that's happening on TV? Right. It just didn't, right. it didn't add up to me. It felt like yeah. it was like her own marketing campaign, really not PR, but marketing, and it just fell on its it face. It did, unfortunately, for her because she um, – I do, I do think that she was right for the show. And she – you know, she had, she wanted to be on the show. She had a, a vision for the sure. show. And, you know, the book was part of it, like signing a book deal, like getting a, I mean, she had it planned out what she wanted to do. And I think what she forgot about was really, I think, the true Aviva. I think she became so caught up in being a housewife and someone on a cast of a show that was brought to you for entertainment value that right. wasn't scripted that in essence she started scripting it herself. Like, right. I'll get the book. And the leg toss was planned from season one. Oh, sure. I mean, it was pla- she always knew that that was going to be something that she did because she believed it would be a great historical television moment, which it was. Unfortunately, she just didn't get to reap the benefits of it because she – you know, was, was asked to leave. So. What happened when the cameras go down at Le Cirque? Were people oh. like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, well, you could see. It was, pr- I mean, I, I mean, think they captured that. Luann was, like, losing her mind well, laughing, which Luann was great. Was like, There's a show on the table, <laughs> like Miss Etiquette. You know what I mean? And, Class of the Countess. And by the way, she's also, Luann is, you know, an iconic housewife. Sure. Who understands the show and, darling, what we have to do for the show and performance for the show. But, you know, like, she and Ramona's, you know, beef back in the day was real. And, you know, Ramona attacking her kids and, and Luann saying that's not mm-hmm. right was real. Mm-hmm. But but the show was bigger than any of that. How they needed to make up or how they needed to comport with one another and, and work together on that cast was part about entertainment value. So she understood what Aviva was doing and she didn't necessarily take take sides with it. Everybody in that room cracked up because it was just so out there. Outrageous. I mean, it was crazy, and it was obvious. Like we were sitting at one table, we were standing, and we had to. We had production made us move to sit down because, like, it was just planned. And so I think the obvious what happened was, well, you know, I mean, you saw the look on my face. Like I knew she was going to do that. This was so obvious, and what a shame. Do you know what I mean? We, you know, and she didn't go on the trips with us, and so that was a really weird dynamic because you've spent all this time, and you're going to be the villain, and now you're not going to go on the trip. How did she get away with not going on a trip and not being immediately fired? Yeah, health right, issues. But it wasn't. I think that's ultimately what led to her demise. I don't even think it was the leg or any of that stuff. I thought that was probably great. Yeah, I think it was, like, contractual obligations. Just, she just never was going to go on the trip because she has some type of, you know, fear from, you know, traveling on her own and right. away from Reed. I, I, I can't remember anymore, but it was, like, some sort of codependency that those trips just weren't going to work for her. And so, in essence, then that doesn't really work for the show. Sure, of course. And we've seen that play out on Atlanta this season with Kim Zolciak needing Croy by her side every moment of the day and Kenya sort of doing the opposite with not wanting to be anywhere near her husband on camera. So, I mean, we talk a little bit about marriages and how they are uh, appearing on camera and behind the scenes. How hard was it to know the real story. I mean, when you, you know, when Ramona's like avoiding questions and being super evasive and, you know, Andy's trying to hold her hand to the fire about Mario's cheating, you know that she doesn't want to talk about this. How hard was it not to discuss it on camera or did it help that it was, I mean, was it happening during production? Were you hearing those rumors? How do you go into a scene with someone knowing that you're on a reality show? Sure. It's supposed to be entertaining. I mean, to viewers, it's going to be a plot point. It's yeah. going to be something that people are discussing. Yeah. How do you um, go around that? I was very authentic okay. to who 
who I am as a person on the show in every situation I handled. Okay. And so if I knew that a hot button topic item was Ramona's divorce, that's exactly wasn't what I wasn't going to jump in and ask about. I, when I sat at a table with the girls, I, I understood we were on a show for entertainment value. And if production would say, hey, listen, you know, ask Sonia how her night was last night. Right. You know, clearly, that's a leading question. You can say, oh, okay. And you can walk into the scene and just ask her how her night was last night, not knowing anything that potentially could have happened last night. And mm-hmm. then you're opening a can of worms or potentially a wound or who knows what. So I would say to Sonia first, I would be on mic, but I wouldn't be on camera. I'd be like, I want to talk about last night. You want, is that, can we talk about last night? And to get her okay. Yeah, yeah. And how did she respond to that? Did she respect it? She, she would say, please don't. Or she would say, you know, I'm using her as an arbitrary example, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or she would say, yeah, ask me. It's cool. You know what I mean? But I would never just do it on, I would never like, unless it was something that was completely innocent and no one was going to get hurt over. Sure. So, I would say to Ramona, you know what I mean? Like, you, I want to talk to I want to ask you about Mario. I really want to know what's going on. You know what I mean? So I'm calling you now because I'm not going to do it on camera for the first time. If mm. you want to continue the conversation, do it on camera. We'll do it on camera. But I really am calling to check in on you. Were you surprised when the rumors came out that he was in this affair you, with this I, whatever? You know, I, I kind of, I was. I was and I wasn't. So I was surprised because of, Unfortunately, you know, Ramona bragged about how happy and healthy her marriage Sure, and also like brought down other people when she was saying to Luann, you yeah. should be so lucky to yeah. have a 19-year yeah. whatever. Yeah. So I... She used I it as a weapon. was surprised in that context because Ramona... I was surprised that she was so naive about it and mm-hmm. so caught off guard about it. But I wasn't surprised because we I really watched a metamorphosis of, of Mario my last season mm. on the show, which was seven, eight, nine, I guess. Okay. Um, you know, he started to really get in good shape and he started to kind of stand up for himself. Like the first season on the show, like he was defending his wife, right. he was attacking it's a little me bit meek, her. right, right, right. You know what I mean? He was mean, but, but, you know, meek around her, but me, you know, defended her devoutly. And, and then I used to make fun of him because I was like, you getting a check, Mario? Like, don't you have a day job? Like, right. why are you here all the time? Amen. They're not paying you. Like, sure. why do you come to every single scene? Like, you want to be a housewife? You know, and I watched that, you know, and I would make fun of him. And then as the third season, I watched him kind of distance himself and not show up and not Mm -hmm. be involved in much, but really get in shape and get, you know, his body was, you know, a focus for him and he was feeling good about himself. You know, so in hindsight, I could see that something had shifted or changed, but most certainly I was surprised. So what kind of conversations did you have with your family about, you know, should we do this? Because it feels like a family decision. It was. How did that go about? Was everyone supportive of it? Well, did the, the kids, kids even understand? Little. Yeah, they were right. so. When I look back now, you know, I mean, I, I just, I just, you know, I have adoration for the way, you know, uh, Luana or Ramona must feel, or any women that, you know, uh, or men that watch their children grow up on television, right? You know, to see how little they were, totally. Um, which actually, as they get older, I, I think for me, it was even an, again another better decision to no longer be on the show. Um, like my friends, the Novogratz, you know, Nine by Design. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they that show was not healthy for their family, and that's why they didn't continue it because it is evasive. There's cameras, and you are entertaining, and scuff, you know, scuffles and things like that. Unfortunately, the train wreck is what turns the head, and it's just the world we live in. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not the best thing for a family. So my kids were little, but John and I, uh, we sat down and we talked about it, and I had this list of pros and cons. And uh, you know, the pr- the pros were not 
were a short list compared to the cons, which were a really long list. Mm. But the pros held such weight and water sure. that it was like the cons were like stupid. You know, I could look bad. Like, who cares? Like, I know the people who know me and mm-hmm. know who I am and my mm-hmm. reputation is so important to me. You know, 30 something years in the fashion industry and. You know, I have a, a good reputation with people who know me. That was really important to me, and I knew that one season on the show couldn't take me down. Do and so, I mean? and was he always, and he felt the same way that yeah. this is at the beginning. You know, it was like, oh God, no, like we don't. That's you know, because watching it, we're we were just different people, right? But when the opportunity came and I got asked to be on the cast, it was like, okay, well, this is opportunity knocking, and it may be out of my comfort zone, but I think we should give it a try. Yeah. It also felt like watching John on camera, he felt very similar to Bobby Zarin in that he wasn't, he didn't like need to be there. You know what I'm saying? He was there to support his wife, which right. by the way, as a 20 something plus, shall we say, yes. woman living in New York City, just swiping right as long as <laughs> goes on. It's really kind of inspiring to see a man who was there to support his wife who wasn't seeking out fame himself. And that is something that you can see as a viewer pretty easily yeah. and it felt the only other comparison that I had to it in New York was Bobby's Aaron rest mm-hmm. in peace mm-hmm. because he was the same way with Jill I mean Jill was you know a little kooky wanted it super badly and yes. still does but, and he understood the humor in it the pathos in it he was just there to make his wife happy and t- to be together and I think that was kind of incredible now we see on Atlanta the season I don't know if you watch Atlanta but Kenya is struggling um, on and off camera because she married someone six months to the day after meeting and he doesn't ever want to be on the show right. I mean what advice would you give a housewife who finds herself in a marriage with someone who who just for whatever reason cannot be there yeah. even if her contract dictates it yeah well that's a tough situation when it comes to a contract but I think you know, when it comes to, and I, listen, I don't know what, you know, Atlanta's contracts look like, but, um, you know, when I was contracted to be a housewife, the contract was w- with me. It yeah. wasn't with my husband. And, you know, we made the decision that I was a cast member and John was su- support support to that. Sure. And that, you know, he wasn't uh, asked to be on the show. He wasn't paid to be on the show. That, that it was, this was my gig and that he was going to be there and support it. And so naturally... The things that a husband would come to. Yeah, he came to. He would come to. Right. If he could, if his schedule allowed, if the kids weren't going to be without their both parents for too much, like mm-hmm. you had to divide and conquer. So that's what John and I do in life generally. We divide and conquer. And sometimes that means being together and sometimes that means being apart. Sure. And I think for any housewife, listen, if, you, if you're going to make a career out of it mm-hmm. and it's your career. Like, like genuine a, career. Like a genuine career. It wasn't that for me. Um and they want your husband to be on the show, well, I think that's something that you're going to have to deal with. Right. If you're, if you don't have a contract and you have a husband that, or a spouse that doesn't want to be on the show, I think you'd be honest about it. Like, right. you know, Jerry didn't feel like coming tonight. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? I wish Jerry was here, but he didn't feel like coming tonight. And right. you just talk honestly about it. And then the other girls might cause issue, like, what's going on in your marriage? Why doesn't he ever come to anything? And then naturally in the relationship, he might, in fact, show up because right. it's just the show he doesn't want to be on. It's not you that he doesn't want to be with. Right. So in any relationship, there's compromise. Right. So I think it can't ever be all or nothing. Right. Sometimes the pendulum has to swing. Both ways. Both ways. Do you um, watch New York? 
I do a little bit. Like you I, were on last week. I was on last week. So <laughs> Spoiler I watched, alert. I watched that one. Yeah. <laughs> you ran by. I ran by. Exactly. You know, it was a very organic, real, authentic scene. So Carol and I, um, separate from one another, decided to do the New York Marathon. Mm-hmm. And I take um, some credit for Carol getting it active in the gym and getting mm-hmm. outside. And she was active. going to your training place, right? She was. Like, yeah. So during when, when Carol and I first met, I mean, she did not have any muscle tone whatsoever. She's this tiny little thing. Right. I, I used to call her Flat Stanley. Oh, Remember no. <laughs> of course. Well, she's so amazing because, like, she's got the body of, like, a No, it's like insane tiny little amazing dna right you know body but i used to say to her you know there's this term called skinny fat yes and it's when your muscle tone is what keeps your bones strong and if you lack muscle strength you're going to lack bone density and strength as you get older and i said to her you're going to have osteoporosis you're going to bend over your bones are going to become weak you don't have to work out for the sake of working out Mm. you have to Feed the fibers of your muscle. Sure. Keep them strong in order to keep your bones strong. Okay. That's all I want you to do. And so you can use your own body weight to work out. Eventually, I'd like you to put a little five-pound weight in your hand or whatever. And I got her to start thinking about it. And then she found boxing, and she really liked boxing. Oh. And then she also, then the New York Marathon happened, and, and then Adam was a great uh, influence on her. Right, because healthy eating, right, granola, and into avocado and sushi or whatever. Oh I literally, I mean, like, Carol doesn't have a big appetite, but people would think she didn't eat. Yeah. She, she doesn't have a big appetite, but when she sat down at dinner, she would <laughs> order pasta bolognese. When you opened up her refrigerator, there was Oscar Mayer <laughs> bologna in there. Wow. God bless. Yeah, like that's – but she doesn't eat that way anymore, and she now understands that, you know, stacking her uh, the odds in her favor for longevity is is the right thing to do. The marathon was for Carol to put a finger up to the naysayers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like sit on this and rotate suckers. Sure. Like if I set myself to a goal, this may be a huge challenge for me, but I am going to go for it. Whether I fail, whether I succeed, it will be – an opportunity for me to try something new. And in that you'll always find success, but she finished that race. Oh my, my girl. God. Were you expecting for the cameras to be there? Did you think that they were going to cover you guys seeing each other? No, we, we randomly, I mean like, Oh my God, like legit, super random. Ran into each other. God bless so, New York. Of course, because I ran into her, you know, the cameras were with her. Um, and you know, we were together at the whole starting line. We hung out, you know, of course, John and Adam are friends. Uh, my girlfriend Angie, um, who I met through my charity No Barriers, oh, ran amazing. with me. Um, we literally had a wonderful start to the race together as true friends. They didn't cover all of it just because you only have so much airtime. And I'm no longer a cast member. It made people so angry that they called me friend of Carol, right? Which was something like, "What did you do to Bravo to piss them off?" It was like that's so funny. It was literally nothing like that. Oh my god! When you're not on the show anymore, you're even even for when Luann got like downgraded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that she was a friend of and right. she couldn't hold a golden apple. I mean, ridiculous. ridiculous. She just had some applesauce. She was close. Ridiculous. She got it back, though. She, <laughs> got her, she got her golden apple back. That's just how they list it. So I, they, I'm still very, very on great terms with Bravo. Oh, good. On great terms with NBC. I'm on great terms with Andy. You know, I, I have, again, such fond memories of my time there. And I stay in touch with the producers on the show. I stay in touch with Andy. You know, we stay in touch. Which wives, um, do you talk to all of them, maybe except for Aviva? I talk, I, you know, it's funny. Aviva and I uh, emailed the other day just to check in. I ran into Harry. Oh, my God, Harry Dubin. Uh, yeah, at the King Cole Bar. Amen. And um, where you two can have a $50 Bloody Mary. Yes. And, um, the best in the world. Yep. 
and uh, yeah, and we were just catching up. And so he had mentioned that I'd be there. So I just called to check in on her and see how she was because I hadn't seen her for some time. What do you think about the way that the, this season seems to be setting up the cast as Sonia versus the world? Yeah. And she's had a rough go because Lady Morgan talks about her yacht still. I mean, watching everything that went down with the toaster oven where you literally produced an advertising campaign that was so good, so funny, so specific to what her brand should actually be, which is should have a little bit of a wink and a smile. She doesn't get it. But if you're in on the joke, not to say that her life is a joke at all, but if you have a little bit of humor, which is what people adore about her, that could have really genuinely taken off. And she hasn't yet learned that lesson. I don't know that she ever will. Is she like that when the cameras go? Is she just as much of a Lady Morgan? I mean, I attended the finale taping several weeks ago, and we were talking about Stad. I mean, I was like, what's happening? Like, she Stott. literally walked over, and she was talking about Stad and, like, Sancho Pay. And I'm like, is this a fever dream that's, like, happening right now? She just wouldn't, for 20 minutes, we were talking about Stott. I had nothing to say. It was just, Sonia was talking at me about, and it was wonderful. Let's not pretend that I didn't love every second of it. But I also was like, is this a character that she's playing, or is this genuinely... There's like a little bit of an ounce of delusion there. God bless her. Is this genuinely the way she is and has always been? The, I, th- I would say that every single person that you see, I can speak to my franchise, is is who what you see is what you get. Really? So, you know, everybody asks the question, it's got to be scripted. It is. This is not scripted television. And, you know, Bethany and I, she used to, you know, give me shit about saying it's edited because, but it is edited. Of course it is. And otherwise you know, it would be 900 hours long. Right. But you know, the situation is, is like, you might get the short end of the editing stick. Like you roll your eyes because you know, the glass drops and then they make you rolling your eyes because someone's walking in the door and that's not really what happened, but that's not the stupid shit you get mad over. You know what I mean? Like they, they could never turn someone into someone that they're not without a ton of time and money, right. you know, editing that person that way. So what you see with Sonia is what you get. And Lady Morgan is very, very true. And I think, well, I think the upsetting thing about, about Sonia for me was that a hundred percent what you said is that she's actually a big fat goofball, right? You know, Sonia's a goofball and she takes herself too seriously she when she should have a wink and a nod and have some humor about it. But she wants to be this like business executive and quote unquote, what does that even mean? And she truly, I, I completely related to the toaster oven because she, here she was in this big house all alone right. when her daughter wasn't there, was visiting, you know, her With father. Her dad, right. She wanted to make something for herself to eat. And the, and the stove seemed uh, this gargantuan, big, lonely place. And so the toaster oven, oven was warm and accepting and, you know, approachable. And so I said, you know, you should do, and, she, you know, Miss Sexy Morgan co- cooking in a toaster oven, you know, that dichotomy was so great for a marketer like sure, me. Sure, of course. Um, you know, a creative director. I was like, oh, my God. So I had to have the hunk and the toaster oven and the whole idea, and I took a throwback inspiration from an old Samsung you know, campaign and it was just making it, but I wanted her toaster oven to be like $30. Like it would be on every college. Right. Everyone would have bought it. Bought it. So I'm like, you're not Hamilton beach. You're not Samsung. You're, yeah. you're Sonia Morgan. So let's do a fun kind of product that's right. going to work that people can, 
and she just took it too seriously so that she could never get out of her own way and therefore she never really launches anything. Same thing that happened with the clothing. I looked as though I wasn't supportive, although I, I on this show I, I certainly was supportive of anything that she could do that she could be successful at. I want that for everybody in life. How, how could you meet someone and say, God, I really hope things fall on their face for you? Like you want people to succeed. So I wanted her to see with the clothing line, but instead of just starting small, it had to be an international well, she clothing starts line. starts with Nigerian diamonds. She yes. starts with she's an international clothing line because yes. someone in Canada was interested in buying some socks. Like it's not, that's not how you maintain, create, maintain, or become successful with an international line. I mean, you have to start somewhere and she never seemed, she always wanted to start with the yacht. Yes. She never wanted to start with like yeah. something she a little bit more run, within reach. You know, like a Kenyan and not right. crawl like a baby. First. Right. And so she needs to crawl before she can run and you know she seems to listen she keeps her head above water she holds it together somehow um you know she's she's the one housewife i'm i'm, I'm not in touch with you know really yeah not at all i, I just i on, on no level do do we relate to one another i mean when i was mad at her <sighs> for not letting us in the house that day I yeah, was yeah yeah genuinely mad what that didn't disgusted. make any sense was she concerned with how her apart her home her townhouse looked no, or it, it was, didn't make any it sense was outputting of Bravo to have us all meet there and expect her to let us in the house. But the intern can just open the door. And I just am like, I'm just, I'm and the it kind was of rainy. person like Mikasa Sukasa. Sure. And everybody's welcome at my house. I always have a ton of people at my house. I always have a ton of booze and, uh, and food and, uh, me, you know, my freaking, just go make yourself at home. I, I love company and I, I have homes like I have in the Berkshires so I can do those things. I'm not to sit there and be not touched. They're, su they're supposed to be used. So anyway, I was literally blown away. Like I, wa I pranced into that house like I own the place. Like, so we're here yeah you know what I mean and I just was just flabbergasted at her response and, and we, it was cold and raining and then we were stuck in this you know Limo. runny draining oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. vestibule and then we couldn't even sit it was an antique we were sitting on the thing like I mean Andre the Giant couldn't lift that fucking <laughs> trunk you know what I mean it yeah, was yeah, just yeah. like it was just and it was so rude and obnoxious and disgusting and I just thought you know I just have done too much for you behind the scenes as a friend sure you know I to deserve this yeah and anybody doesn't deserve yeah. this and so now I think you're a foul person and that's when the door closed for me wow um so you and Luann had sort of an interesting yeah. relationship where do things stand now were you surprised as the rest of the country was with Palm Beach slash West Palm Beach slash felony. You know, I think the, the issue with Luann and I um, was always authenticity and to be true. Like, I don't have to, like, blow your cover about, you know, the pirate, but I'm not yeah. going to lie sure. and say that there was 20 Italians in my of room. Of course. Like, that's crossing a line for me. I don't lie for anybody. You know what I mean? And so... Uh, I, you know, I tell the truth and I'm a transparent person. And so, I mean, I believe in a white lie. Like, oh, yeah. Sure. I love this dress. Don't you love it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice <laughs> that I believe in. You know what I mean? You guys, but my dress does look amazing. No, it's amazing. Thank you. But I, but so, so, so it started with, um, I think for really for me, truth be told, I had heard about narcissism. I had, I had, you know, I had never really met somebody that really fit the bill. It was yeah. hard for me to fathom that this was truly textbook. So the first season I had with her with the whole pirate thing, I was like, whoa. But then I accepted Luann for who she was. I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like, she's totally a narcissist. Like, she doesn't get it. Like, that she's so, you know, self-promotional all the time. And it's like, oh, yes, but darling. And 
I loved her little stupid etiquette side to herself, and it was funny because the Countess thing, and it's just dramatic for mm-hmm. television. It's funny. But what I really loved was Lou. I loved hanging out and partying with Lou and whooping it up and having yeah. a good time. And, I mean, we were close where, you know, she's laid in bed with my husband and I and watched, you know what I mean? Mm. We were friends. And, you know, when her and Jacques would have things, like she'd come over, we'd go out and party, and then we'd go back to my apartment, and the kids would, I remember the kids would wake up because they'd hear some noise, they'd come out of bed, <laughs> sleepyhead, and Lou would be there, and she'd hug and kiss them. Aww. And, you know, we were, cl- we were friends. I really consider her a friend. And so when that happened in Turks and Caicos, that they went out and partied and irresponsibly brought total strangers home to a house that had no security. There was nobody right. in that house but us. And then we're so careless because they were wasted to not care where that person went or what they were yeah, doing. Yeah, naked or clothed. Only for me to then fall. Fa- you know, the fact that he was naked was just funny. I mean, it was just like I, I got, you know, I got a free show. <laughs> but, you know, the fact that they left him like unattended so irresponsibly I was upset and it wasn't Luann that did it yeah this was Ramona that did it right and, and I, then passed it off to Lou pa- but I went when I walked into when Carol and I walked into her bedroom never in a million years was I going in there for any other reason than to go Luann you can't fucking believe this guy was in the house like she said she this is the drama of the show that these these women have to like they believe their own shit it's like ridiculous that she uh, wanted me to catch her hanging on a chandelier with some guy. Right. Which is like, well, honey, you're on a reality TV show. And she doesn't even think about that. Like, we, in the airport later, when Carol and I were like, I can't believe you actually thought we were, like, that's ridiculous. She, uh, Carol said, well, Luann, what did you think when you brought a guy home when you're shooting a reality show? What did you show? think was like, going to happen? Did it ever think that maybe you shouldn't do that? She said, no, darling, not at all. And that's the really? side of Luann. So it's not my fault. Like, I hold no responsibility. It's all you. You've done all the wrong things. And then the dumb song, Girl Code, and all that dumb, stupid stuff around it. You know, I just was like, that's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I, the last thing I would ever do is break Girl Code. And by the way, I, she knows that about me because I could have blared a bunch of shit of out. Of course. And then, you know, th- then on the couch is when it all comes out. You know what I mean? And, and that gets edited. But it's like, listen, come on. You're kidding me? Girl code? Like, why don't I didn't talk about this. I didn't talk about that. I didn't talk about that. I didn't talk about that. I didn't talk about this. I didn't talk about that. You want me to fucking break girl code? I'll break it right here and now. Mm. You know, and then you can hang that on me if that's what, what you want. You know, I was angry about that. And um, that's when it started being, it stopped being fun for me. When the show stopped being fun and enjoyable and I was like taking it home and I was wearing it around my neck, I was like, this is not worth it for me. Like this is, and and it was hurtful Luann and I because I genuinely considered her to be a friend. Sure. And friends don't do that to each other. And I ran into her, you know, before this whole thing happened in Palm Beach, um, and I said, I had to say to her, I go, because we hadn't spoken, you know, mm-hmm. she, we, we called each other a couple times, texted, but the friendship absolutely was, um, broken yeah. and, um, not, not unfixed or whatever, but I guess we don't really have that much in common in the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. not a flamboyant, you know, club singer. Right. And so I guess I don't, I thought that we, our friendship kind of surpassed that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said to me when we ran into each other several months ago, I was like, I still can't believe you really thought, I was just like, oh darling, I never thought that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And that was like, well, Countess to the end. sucks, man. Yeah, you know, it does. It really sucks, but that's okay. Cause, right. Cause, so carry on your way. 
And, you know, and w- when she, you know, got arrested in, in Palm Beach, you know, I called her to check in. Oh, good. And, you know, I, ca- I genuinely, like I said, I care about, I care about her. But it's funny, like, r- r- I have a more of a solid, consistent, true relationship with Ramona than I actually do with Luann, which you'd never guess that. It's so um, interesting how life happens. maybe it will change. Sure. You know what I mean? Maybe that will change and maybe we'll just continue to grow apart. But, um... Yeah, so I again I keep in touch with everybody on a on a you know oh hi, by the way oh oh hi or right. oh this happened and I thought of you or you know do you know this guy I ran across this guy and I do you know him and his business you know those types of things. One so last question for you, happening. even though I feel like I could talk to you all day because I died for you, um, Carol and Bethany. So yeah. that's gonna be a big part of the season. Yes. I am a former Bethany apologist. I was like an OG of the Bethany Frankel and watching how her personality has really shifted and changed has made me very upset and angry because I feel like she's lost any sense of humility and is now trademarking herself as like funny, sassy, cutting, mean. And and she's in a weird position legally where she can't really talk about everything with Jason Hoppy and Bryn, but the dust that remains is so toxic you know, watching her flip out in the Berkshires, watching her unload on people and be so cutting and sharp to you, which was really, I thought, extremely inappropriate and unnecessary. She seems like such a broken bird now that it's it's not about the success and money that she has. It's not about flipping houses. It's like what actually remains here. And it seems like what remains is not the greatest person who we initially fell in love with. It feels like she is now a totally different creature than she was before so how do you counsel someone who's so close in your life like carol who had developed a close relationship with bethany even when you and bethany were kind of feuding right which was sort of really more from bethany to you than you to her yes how do you counsel her about what seemed like a real world friendship going on vacations being in each other's lives to what now is like two totally isolated islands yeah well i mean i I could see both of the women and you know I'm one of those girls that like when I introduce my friends to each other like I want them to hang out like if they go to lunch and they don't call me I'm not like oh really you're in no, support I'm of it happy yeah yeah, yeah. They're hanging out and so there is room for Carol to have more friends I never was opposed to her having a friendship with Bethany what I found interesting was that they are two totally different people and I totally could see, different people I could see transparently through Bethany and, and I knew, I know who Carol is as a person. And so I knew that it was going to have, you know, it would, it, it would, it was going to have some legs, but that it would fall off of those legs yeah. at some point, just because they are totally different. And, um, and that's what you'll see happen this season. Um, also, you know, like when Bethany came back, if you really think about it, if you want to get into legitimate, like Let's housewives, who else was she going to be friends with? Like, really, when she came back the first season, like, she had this history. She and Ramona did not like each right. other. She and Countess were yeah, kind of they, uh, competing. And what I said on the couch was true. They all wanted to take her down when she was coming back in. You said they did a cheers. Oh, my God. They were not happy she was coming back. They wanted to take her down. I thought it was great for the show. I had asked her on her talk show to come back. I'm like, you should come back. Um I had a good – I understood Bethany. You know, we're both, you know, quick, and right. I could relate to her. Um, but Carol was easier for her to be friends with. They had a lot of mutual friends in common. They could, you know, rub celebrity elbows, you know what I mean? Like that type of thing. And I was the other businesswoman. I was the other entrepreneur. So of course it was almost like Ramona. Mm. Like she wasn't going to let me in. Sure. You know, she wasn't going to let Kristen in. She wasn't going to let me in. 
And, you know, that was fine. I, the same, like I said, it didn't happen until the third season. I felt like I could crack her because I, I do believe in Bethany Frankel. I believe in her. I do. I believe in her as a human being, as a person. And I think that when you go through a metamorphosis like you do mm-hmm. in a very, very heavy, heavy legal battle, right. d- whatever it is, whether it's divorce or right, right, business, right. you really only can know it when you've been through it. Sure. It's so unbelievably arduous and life changing Mm -hmm. that, you know, I I think people do come out of these things bitter. I come out of, I have come out of my, you know, I'm still in a lawsuit, you know, it's ongoing litigation with yummy, but I have learned from it. I've, 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 I've embraced the suck. Do you know what I mean? I've embraced the bad along with the good so that I can have growth into the future and be a better person for my struggles and pain. And that's the one thing I wish Bethany would do. Mm. And she, and that's, I think, what you're disappointed in. And I wanted to break that. I, I, I you know, I, I did. I stopped trying. I, I don't try anymore. Even today, if we text each other, you know, I'll get like a very quick, short text, you know, out of the blue from her. And I'll be oh, like, really? girl. Yeah, I'll be like, well, because I think that she considers me, you know, an ally or sure. something. She, if she wants advice, you guys she were in the call. war together, right? And and I feel the same way. Like if I have a question, that I think Bethany could answer. I wouldn't think twice about calling her, but I don't pick up the phone to hang out or right. when she had her surgery, when she had the fibroids mm. removed. And, you know, I was very, I knew about that. I wanted to, you know, bring her matzo ball soup and make sure she was going to be cared for. There was yeah. someone there to help her. Yeah. She has staff, but like friends, you know, a lot of her friends live in Florida and I just want to be there for her, but it, that we just don't have that type of relationship. Do you think so. that she and Carol will, I mean, that was the interesting thing about attending the taping. They didn't interact. Not once. Yeah. It was like groups of people, but there was a real yeah. line between them, which yeah. was surprising to see because the energy was strange mm-hmm. in the space. Everyone was there. Dorinda walked out. It was like a whole thing. Yeah. But she, there was just not well, a moment. I she, Yeah. The one thing that Carol, I can say, I know for sure, is, is that, you know, Carol, although, you know, now after multiple seasons on the show, the entertainment value is always there. Like, Carol had came out of television. She understands television editing. And she, you know, she's a housewife. Right. You know? But Carol is also true to who Carol is. And when Bethany, I think, would say, okay, like this was good. And by the way, you have to remember that her feud with Jill, you know, wrecked the show in a way. Totally right? did. And so now Bethany wants to come off of the feud quickly for the entertainment value. And right. Carol's going to stay true to what's honest. She's going to stay true to what's true. And if it's not true that they make up, then then Carol won't make up. If it is true that they should find a place of common ground and make up than Carol will. And I think Carol showed you that with Luann. Sure. And so I think that's what will happen. What really truly is, is what you will see when it comes to Carol. I can guarantee you that. Do you think that it was wrong for Carol not to text Lou? Sorry about Tom. It was about Tom. Sorry about the divorce. Or do you think it just felt too inorganic? Well, I just think that sometimes they don't have that relationship. Right, they don't. You know what I mean? Like that's not the relationship they've ever had. Right. You know, you have to remember where I was, you know, going up against the OG with Ramona, not wanting to promote me. Carol was going up the OG with Luann and they were fighting over over like the princess countess title the and who owned thing. adam who yeah. owned a human being Which is, is he a staffer is he an ex-boyfriend of a niece or yeah. is he just a person yeah. who developed a crush yeah. i mean my god yeah um heather thompson total oh, fabulous and now you go from here to climbing a mountain now i can't I believe it here. i'm gonna go hit the gym holy shit i'm gonna go to nepal so follow me on instagram yes. at i am heather t and 
keep an eye out if you guys want to journey with me there'll be another oh one my again. god i want to and it. i want to have a smoothie and some oh kombucha exactly. so keep an eye out for that and i love it keep watching the show obviously we can sit here and talk about it I'm, forever I'm, I'm, I'm now a former housewife and an oh OG my god in my own right but i still get into the gossip and the playing field and all that stuff and I really uh, wish all the women only Love. the best, whether I speak to them or don't speak to them. You know, I did go through summer camp with them, and you I have did. an adoration for them all. And, you know, Luann's going to come out of it stronger. Yes. Sonia's going to keep a longer merry way. Ramona keeps getting younger and younger. Dorinda Bethany's has martini milk getting richer clock. and richer. Right. <laughs> Dorinda, you know, I like to hang out with her pre-martini. Yes. The time then. Oh, my God. Before the slurs. Before the slurs. Um, <laughs> tough, but she's a good she's a good person as Whatever are that. you thank you so much for being here total pleasure guys follow heather thompson on everything ever and i can't wait to talk to you again soon yay. this was so fun yay yummy bye guys bye was that not amazing she is just crazy phenomenal i mean i remember watching that toaster oven photo shoot and thinking like yeah this is the fucking shit like what she the concept that she came up with those like you know, um, half naked male models, the toaster oven, the sass, the humor that would have exploded. Like Sonia should have listened to her. And the fact that she doesn't want to ever talk to Sonia again, I understood, but it was also hundred percent shocking. I was like, Oh my God, breaking news. Like that is, um, totally understandable being in that environment. I can't imagine being in this environment with this, with these women and like shooting with them every day. It's really a full-time job. Plus you're like eight other full-time jobs. Um, the fact that she stays in touch with Ramona, I actually really did find surprising. Um, and you know, I thought her advice for Kenya was really on point and, um, and I'm genuinely surprised that she still communicates with Bethany, but good for both of them. Like keeping it on the biz, like on the up that, you know, they they both were a part of this, like very, very exclusive TV Bravo Leverty um, uh, sorority. So good for them for putting aside some of the drama and keeping things moving. I am so happy that she was so open and forthright about Bethany and Carol, and we'll see how that plays out. I mean, there's so much happening behind the scenes now. Bethany unfollowed Carol. Carol's now tweeting Bethany saying, like, thanks for your support about the marathon. Would be great if you contributed, as I did, to your charity for Puerto Rico, um, which I think I just mispronounced. Shout out to me. Um, don't tell Lynn manuel um, I... I wonder if Bethany will, I mean, Bethany has like bajillions of dollars. Why isn't Bethany contributing to Carol's marathon? If Carol was the very first person to contribute to Puerto, Puerto Rico <laughs> guys, I think I need a cocktail. Um, I just find that fascinating and super shitty just from like a one-on-one -on -one perspective. If fucking Ramona can give up three K, which is like a third, the price of her favorite Birkin, then Bethany can fucking contribute to a dog charity because Carol ran 900 miles in a day or a day and a half. Um, guys, I hope you enjoyed it. Follow Heather Thompson on all of her social media forever and ever. Amen. Maybe follow me on Twitter at Sarah Galley. And speaking of Twitter, Mazel to the winner of a sassy Andy's Girls t-shirt. Shout out to, I'm going to fuck up your Twitter handle. I'm so sorry. Femme Meg Fatale, um, whose tagline submission was, 
people think I'm high on life, but I'm just high, <laughs> which I thought was amazing. Um, so shout out to you, Meg. Uh, DM me your address and t-shirt size, and a t-shirt will find its way in the mail this week. And guys, let's continue that contest. Um, tweet me at Sarah Galley with the hashtag AndesGirls um, and Lewis Peitzman as well. His uh, Twitter handle is Lewis Peitzman if you're not already following him, as most of America is. Um, tweet us your own housewives taglines and um we'll pick another winner again next week for a fabulous andy's girl t-shirt um guys such a pleasure to kiki with you now and always i hope you really enjoy that interview we have so many amazing interviews coming up a phenomenal special guest next week who many of you may have heard of who um is fantastic and i can't wait to kiki with that special magical butterfly um next week and I love you guys I'm always so happy to talk to you and I can't wait to get your thoughts on the Heather interview um, online alright guys mazel to you for surviving another crazy week in Trump's America and if you're a Trump supporter um, cool uh, okay guys um, die for you um, hopefully won't die because of North Korea and Russia and we will kiki next week Okay, bye guys.